everyone. Thank you for joining Marty Miller and myself, Wendy Batts, today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, where we are going to talk about fun facts, part two, considering we got really good feedback about part one. How are you, Marty? I'm great. Looking forward to today. Uh, as you said, you know, we're always interested in topic ideas. We threw fun facts, one out there, had great reviews, and a lot of people reached out to us individually and collectively. So it was very easy for us to dig in and find some new stuff. Oh, well, you know what? Today is the day where we're going to talk about things that, you know, I think we think about. And Marty, you know, when we talk about all this stuff, it's like, hey, you know, someone said this to me the other day and you were like, well, based on research, it says this. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't we put some of the things that we hear um, an everyday conversation into this uh, wonderful uh, podcast today and then you know, let us know moving forward if you like this, and then we can continue on doing these every once in a while. Sprinkle them in, if you will. <laughs> yeah, there's always topics where people are like, oh, my God, I never knew that. So they learn yeah. something new. And then there's those ones like, wait a minute, I thought that was the way. What do you mean that this is the way? And anything that Wendy and I do, if it's got the science behind it, we're going to make sure that uh, we've got research to back it up. That's what we do here at NASM. So this won't be any different. So why don't we jump in there and see what yeah. we got? Well, you know, what? we're going to discuss topics, like you said, that, you know, may not be obvious to some, but then are like, you know, everyday facts for others. So again, if you've heard this, it's a good reminder. Um, if not, then maybe we could give you an inkling of something new uh, to think about. But then again, we also want you guys to remember that no matter what, if you utilize the NASM OPT model, this should be your focus throughout all training solutions. Again, it's evidence-based. There's rationales behind why we do what we do and the order that we did. It's made for everybody, like every body, B-O-D-Y, not just every, every person, um, based on assessment. So if you can really go through, assess someone, you find out their goals, you're going to be able to help them achieve those goals. But you're also going to have a guideline on how long is it going to take realistically that's safe, you know, and then, you know, not also put, you know, thoughts in your client's head, like, can you lose 30 pounds and, and three days and you know sure that sounds great just because you want their business when you know that's not really that's not really the case um but then also too you know we're hoping that maybe we can deliver some i never knew that type information so i always like those light bulb moments right where somebody's like oh my goodness that's so helpful now and then it can help maybe relieve some frustrations that they've had or motivate them to go down a different path that will actually elicit better response quicker because they're like now it makes sense well, and I think I might have mentioned this on Fun Fact, like when we did the part one, that I had this shirt, you know, that had like a humorous bone on it. It said, mm -hmm. I found this humorous and I thought it was hilarious, but I didn't really put it into a thought process until after college. Now, guys, I studied exercise science, but I never really thought about, oh, I hit my funny bone. It's because you're hitting the humorous bone. <laughs> so anyway, there's, there you go. Quick reminder in case you missed part one. That's the that's the silly stuff that I think about often. <laughs> Right. So as we slide in, you know, Wendy, um, both of us starting in sports performance as our primary career path, elite athletes I've, and why we found love with NASM being a performance model. You know, there's very few things that I see that don't start in sports performance that eventually become bigger in fitness. I think that curve is sped up because of social media, Instagram. You get to see what these athletes are doing. But when I was with the Yankees in 2007, we were doing recovery techniques that you see now. We had a massage gun. It had one speed. You plugged it into the wall. 
you know, we were doing a lot of kinds of different, you know, cupping and this, that, the other with some of our athletes. So none of this sometimes is not brand new, but it is newer to fitness. But now with technology, things come to market even quicker, but recovery is massive, right? You know, we realize too, that it's not about how much effort you put in. It's how quickly you recover from your workouts before you go do the next dose of exercise. And that's the beauty of the NASM model, undulated programming. We've gone through all that. You know, so rest days, recovery days, you warm up with these modalities are wildly popular. We've had Dr. Jason from Therabody on, and you can see that his company continues to grow and grow and grow because the research behind recovery is there. So, you know, in no particular order here, many people are familiar with some of these products, but you'll see some of his newer products is that cupping, which he's the way he did it is fascinating. The goggles that you'll see, the only thing in there that's not uh, colored in, you know, black tone they're phenomenal, Wendy. I know you're getting yourself a pair, but you know, we only recover when we sleep. And I just saw some cool research out that women do need more sleep than men due to the fact that, you know, uh, your adrenals is what uh, your hormones come from and they can only recover when sleeping men. We have a different method um, where we can recover a little differently with testosterone, but everybody needs to sleep. Everybody needs that uh, ability to recover mentally as well. So even things now like the goggles the, and the chair that he has with the you know, acoustic therapy, it's, it's insane, but this is what's helping people live better, sleep better, less stress and work out to a higher level. Yes. And I want to repeat what Marty said, women need to sleep more. So, you know, science. Men, I know, right. Science says, so therefore, you know what, you need to give us a day off or let us sleep in sometime, especially if you have children, because it doesn't seem to work out that way. <laughs> but I know, right? So it's on. It's all about science, Marty. But but I think it's important to you know when we're looking at the slide, we're talking about scheduling rest days, and mm -hmm. you know, yes, there's a ton of products out there, but there are different ways. I mean, even if you don't have all of this, yes, yeah, someone said beauty sleep. So yes, exactly. I need all the help I can get, y'all. So I should be sleeping for a week. Um, but but I think it's important to when when we're looking at um, and and I say this because I actually have a client that I have to say, stop working out. You're doing too much. You need rest. And this is a high elite um, athlete. He's at the very top of his game. He's doing remarkable things, but he also wants to make sure as he's getting older that he can hang with some of the younger people that are coming on, on board and onto this particular team. And more is not better. I mean, it is not better. What's happening is quality of movement, quality of program design, and then having those rest days. Now, does that mean do nothing? That's definitely not necessarily the case. However, you know, there's active recovery where that's the day where you do some more core work. You spend more time utilizing the foam roller, do some activation, kind of reset your body and your mind. Um, there are ways where if you need to take a complete day off because it's good for your, your soul, then, then definitely do. But, you know, working out every single day, working hard every single day, that's actually going to cause you know, injuries, if you're not careful, it's going to lead to strains and pain and fatigue. And then you stop hitting those go goals. You start plateauing because your body needs time to recover and catch up. And, you know, you need to have really good protein intake. You need to make sure you're drinking a lot of water. And like you said, Marty, get some good sleep. Right. And you know, Wendy, the, the key thing is um, I want to be physically active every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at research, we've talked about this with lifespan versus health span. We can come back around on this topic. I need to be physically active every day. I don't need to exercise every day, 
right? So parking a little further away, taking those recovery walks, standing more time than sitting. So we're not saying just work out and then complete rest. No, active, be active every day. But the intensity and the exercise don't need to be there every day. So the way you do it is different depending on what phase of the model you're in. You know, Wendy, you know, I'll always do my correctives and mobility work every single day. I mean, rarely do I miss. I'd have to be traveling at like six o'clock in the morning and I'll do my 40 minutes of correctives. That's not exercise for me at that point in my day, but it just, it's helping get my body back in alignment. It's helping me move better, which will make me recover better. So be active, but be very specific with your prescribed exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you do have any of the recovery tools, I mean, they're, they're great for you. I mean, you know, we say try to utilize, you know, some type of like foam rolling or percussion device or something like that, obviously before you work out, but it's really important when we talk about the cool down to utilize these things, but, but even on your off days, that's the day where your muscles can take a time to relax and you may actually get more benefit because you're spending more time on everything. When people say, I don't have enough time to foam roll everything that you need me to foam roll. Well, you know what? On your days off, that's the day that you foam roll everything that I'm asking you to foam roll. And so I think that's important, too, of how you talk to your clients, let them know, you know, the importance of, you know, rest and obviously nutrition and and staying on, you know, their fitness journey. But they're also like you said, Marty, you have to do something every day. Scheduling sometimes is easier for people if they block out that same time every day but then they can do something for themselves, whether it's, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever it is, but that's going to be really, really important. Right. And the last thing on this for me is time. We could do a whole nother one on this. Maybe we'll come back to it when we have somebody like Dr. Jason again, uh, cause the recovery, but time block, I get up at five o'clock every day because I want to get my mobility in, which means I have to reverse engineer what time I go to bed, which is 10 o'clock. I'm going to get at least seven it's not by accident that I do that. Right. Our body needs that normal sleep. Uh, Wendy, don't even let's not talk about your schedule right now. <laughs> okay? That's a whole nother conversation. Y'all I'm going to use her phrase. So, mm -hmm. but try to be as consistent as possible. The body loves that, right? Get to bed, wake up. So that's where I get my mobility and is I get up at five o'clock because that was where I know I'll get it in. Yes. And I am not going to comment, but you know what, Marty, that is correct. So, <laughs> I know, um, so, I know my co-host well. <laughs> yes, you do. And those of you guys that listen probably know me way too well as well, but I appreciate you guys tuning in. And remember, we are live today on the Master Instructor Roundtable with Marty Miller and myself, Wendy Batts. We are talking about fun facts that obviously um, we've heard from you guys you want to know more about or, hey, did you know? And we're like, you know what? Yes, we did. And let's talk about it. So we get some of these ideas from you guys. But as we're talking through some of these, if you have comments, please be sure to put them in the chat and we'll be sure to answer them before we end today's um, podcast. But here brings us to fun fact number two. Marty, it takes at least 12 weeks of regular exercise to get into shape. Right. So that shocking, the OPT model kind of breaks that out for you. So, you know, when you look at the, the periodization, right, the body takes a period of time of a consistent type of exercise program to get the effects of it, right? I can't day one do some stability stuff. Next day, maybe do some power stuff. Next day, maybe do something that who knows what that would be and think that your body's going to adapt to those specific adaptations. Now, movement is movement. Can you burn calories doing random stuff? Yes. So if, you're, if your goal is only to burn calories and only to lose weight, some people are like, oh, I'm getting in great shape. Well, what, what are you comparing it to and what's the adaptation you're looking for? So 
depending on the person, depending on their training volume and their experience, you need to stay in a phase of training for a period of time. That's why the model's built the way it is. Now, after you go through a phase of training and you've gotten all the different adaptations, then we can get creative where Monday, maybe I do stabilization. Wednesday, I do a strength workout. Friday, I do a power. Or what I'll do is I'll, stabilize, I'll do stabilization set one, strength endurance set two and three, and I might finish with a power. Different because I'm just trying to maintain or peak with certain um, adaptations. But you've got to stick with it. And this is where a lot of people either stick with one phase of training for like six to eight decades, men in hypertrophy and muscular development, and then they wonder why they get hurt and don't see results. Or two, they don't really fully commit to a block of training because maybe they don't know how to do that. So doesn't mean you can't give somebody a different workout each day because we did get into that type of mindset more than when Wendy and I first got into the industry because now people see things on Instagram. So day one, I can still do stabilization and maybe they're doing a lower body squat type of exercise. Maybe the next day in the gym, instead of squats, they're doing step-ups if that's appropriate. But the phase of training is still the same with the work to rest ratios, the time under tension, the things that make NASM, NASM. So I think that that is critical to evaluate. Am I exercising to me, which is just a bunch of stuff or my training, which is a specific protocol for a very, uh, pointed or desired outcome. Yes. And, and, you know, like you said, Marty, you know, we tell everyone every four weeks or so you should reassess your client, make sure that they are gain, you know, making gains in whatever phase of training they're in. And remember when we talk about phases of training, we're talking about adaptation. What is the goal? What are they trying to achieve? And unfortunately, but truly most people come to us, there are injuries that, or not injuries, but they're coming to us because they have discomfort or what they're quoting as pain, or they have movement imbalances that we saw in the assessment. So most people will start in phase one and they're like, but this is a boring phase. Well, it shouldn't be because as a trainer, it's my job to make sure that I'm choosing fun exercises, I, choosing exercises that are going to be challenging but it's also your personality that is behind the actual program as well. Like you want to have that rapport. You want to be able to enjoy the time with your client because they have to spend an hour with you. That's what they're paying for or 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is. So to Marty's point, yes, you can do all these exercises, but you know, what makes sense for the client? What is safe for the client? Remember, there is something called the client's choice. So add stuff that they also want to do. But those acute variables are going to be so important. And I think that is especially the tempo is the one that I see so often underutilized when to me, that is probably the most important because that time under tension working in the the eccentric you know, phase of, of the movement pattern is why we do what we do. And, you know, when you learn to decelerate and you, you can decelerate and rotate, that is also going to help prevent injuries because that's where most injuries occurs in that transverse plane decelerating. So I think it's important to think it's not about having just a quote good time and choosing these fun, explosive, crazy exercises. And you're not in there to like crush them or they can't walk out and then they're miserable coming in. It's more of why can't you kind of, quote, crush them if that's your goal, utilizing the right time under tension and exercise selection, because if you know where they're underactive, trying to activate those muscles again and wake them up is going to be more challenging than having someone do a thousand burpees and a thousand stairs and whatever it is that that you think cardiovascularly they need. I agree 100 percent. Shockingly, of course, though. 
As we move here to Fun Fact 3 on this week's Master Instructor Roundtable, I'm Marty Miller here with Wendy Bats. We're talking about fun facts, going over things that maybe you knew, maybe you didn't know, but we did Fun Facts Part 1 and got great feedback. So here we are with more additional fun facts. So here we go, Wendy. I'd like to see your uh, opinion on this. You're more likely to stick with your exercise plan if you work out with a partner, maybe slash trainer. Let's see what you think on that. Uh, I would say very true. And, you know, I, you, you know, those of you guys that have listened to, to Marty and I talk about this, you know, that I helped someone open um, some gyms or whatever uh, in Arizona. And we ended up doing small, small uh, training or yeah, small <laughs> group training. I was like, what word am I missing? Group training. And, um, and, you know, people would come in and, and I was able to set them up doing different things at different times, you know, and, and it made it like a collaborative effort. If somebody wasn't there, it wasn't me that was hounding them. It was their buddies that were like, oh my gosh, why isn't so-and-so here? I'm like, I don't know. Let me text them. Let me find out. Are they coming back? And I think, you know, when you have a buddy or a group of people that you enjoy working out with, you push each other a little bit harder because I know me, I'm super competitive. So I want to be stronger. I want to look better um, personally myself. But then also there's that accountability factor. And, you know, if my if I wake up one day and I'm like, I really don't want to go into the gym, I, I just I'm just not feeling it today. But yet I know that somebody's there waiting on me. I'm going to get my butt up. I'm going to put on my clothes. I'm going to brush my teeth and go to the gym and and do my thing because you know what? I agreed to do this. And if they're going to get up to be there for me, I need to also do the same. The hardest part is showing up, right? And we've, <laughs> we've all know the motivational stuff, et cetera. Once you get there and get some momentum, it's great. So whatever it takes. And like you said, Wendy, if somebody else knows you're going to be there, we tend to find less excuses. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Don't like them. <laughs> so, to back for I know. And you know what, Marty, it, it only takes 2.5 to two and a half hours of moderate physical activity to see cardiovascular benefits. Yeah. So I was just, as you know, Wendy, I was over in Italy. I know everyone feels bad for me, but we did a global education event um, for my full-time job. And I did something on this and I found research, even, even going a little bit smaller, running five to 10 minutes a day, decreased all mortality rates from cardiovascular disease by like 50%, right? So again, if just small micro doses of activity, right? It doesn't have to be a ton. So when you look here, you know, we're talking 30 minutes. It's not a huge commitment, but you can break that down even smaller. We've seen the studies before where if I do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes at night, as long as I'm not trying to run a marathon, those 30 minutes are just about the exact same as if I did a 30 minute of moderate together. So don't think I, 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 there's no time in the day. Of course there is. There's always time. You got to go back to what we talked about with, before here with the, even the fun fact one is block it, make time for it, put it into your schedule. But don't be afraid to break those down that 30 minutes even into smaller doses if you have to. So it can be anything that gets your heart rate up, brisk walk. Even if you're going to clean, put your music in and clean like you've never cleaned before. Right? Just be moving. You know, I'm, you know, maybe you put, you do some Zumba moves in between mopping and, uh, you know, that's not me, but maybe Wendy, I can, I've seen you dance, Wendy. I can see you doing that when you're running around the house cleaning. You oh know, yeah. So. Why not lunge and vacuum at the same time, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> see, now that, that's the spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Hey. So you should be able to talk like that talk test, but not be able to sing. Cause God knows I'm speaking for myself, Wendy, maybe you're the singer, but that's where I draw the line. Uh, well, no one would want me to sing because, you know, I mean, do I sing? Absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it's joyful noises. I tell my son or whatever all the time, 
but uh, <laughs> seeing like no one's listening or um, but but I think too, you know, to your point, Marty, for me, sometimes it's really difficult to get into the gym because I start training clients super early in the morning. I do have my full-time job as well when I'm, you know, teaching and doing things online and I need to, you know, read a bunch of, bunch of, you know, papers and get grades in and return grades to students. But then also I'm like, oh, I need to spend time with my, with my little guy. And, you know, today was the last day of school. So, you know, he's going to be home with me now in the summer. And, you know, yesterday I just, my day was packed. When he came home, I'm like, let's take the dogs for a walk. And him and I went, we had a really good um, conversation. I mean, granted, we probably could have pushed it a little bit more, but he's got smaller legs than me. So keep that in mind. But it was good because it was time to reconnect with my little guy. It was time to get the dogs out exercising. It was good for me to get outside and do something. So it doesn't always have to be 110% of, a, of your max effort. A little bit of something's better than a whole lot of nothing, as Rick Ritchie always says. And so I think there's a lot of truth to that. And if you look at the research, it says that it shows that people that are active over their lifespan, it's, that's the key thing is just a little bit every day, a little bit every day, a little bit every day, just continually be moving, stay away from big blocks of time in your life where you're sedentary and it becomes easier and easier for sure. Yes. I like this one too. Um, and it found this to be, I actually kind of like laughed out loud here, but people who are single work out more than those who are married. And I am going to say true <laughs> mm. because before I was married, my husband and I both made it a point to go to the gym all the time. We wanted to look a certain way. We felt like, you know, we needed to, to make sure that we stepped up our game. So, you know, we didn't go off to someone else because, you know, eyes wander. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take a different approach. Uh, you are I not. You are not going to take a different approach. <laughs> Absolutely, because I have always worked out, but I'm a little nutty for other reasons. But no, I mean, I think part of the married thing is like when you look at your situation right now with the mm -hmm. little guy, right? Like it's very easy to get distracted with life. So it goes back to what we talked about, time blocking it, finding family activities or purposely saying, hey, like, you know, you know, Wendy, you could say, hey, Tony, I'm going to take the little guy. This is your time to go make it a priority. And then it gets easier. I've, I've been there. My kids are older now, so I can, you know, I have lived that with three boys all within 25 months. We had the twins. So, you know, I would go, I was their baseball coach. So I would run around the field with them. I would try to go and play catch with them. And yeah, maybe I wasn't in the gym as much, but I look at it as my responsibility to live a healthy life for my family. So I wasn't going to let my family be the reason why I didn't live a healthy life. So there's a lot, it, it, it gets complicated. There's no doubt about it but let's not settle just because we got married. And I think it's not really settling. I really believe that it's just, like you said, yeah. it really is, is hard with timing, especially yeah. if you do have kids. Um, but I think there's also that level of it's comfortable, you know, but like you, I mean, you know, what I was saying, I think the thing is, you know, cause now again, I don't have little kids, but try to find activities that you can really enjoy together. Now I'm going to be the first to tell you, I will not go to the gym and do my resistance training with my partner. Like I get it. That's me time. But I started playing singles pickleball. It's fabulous. It's fun. We could play two hours. And I counted my steps one time, like with my Apple Watch. It was three and a half miles because we're athletic enough to be moving around. And two hours went by like you never thought about it, right? So, you, you know, I started doing, we did the podcast before I started doing heated yoga. So a lot of times, hopefully you can find things that bring you together, right? Or you go on vacations that are more active. It's just, it's got to be a mindset, right? You got to think about it. 
and you got to make it a priority. And Wendy, you know, I know your little guy does a ton of sports, so maybe get out, you know, get out in the field with him, whatever it takes. Just yeah. You don't want to all of a sudden let 20 years go by and you went from 20 to 40 and you're like, oh, right. Oh yeah. I think it's important as you, as if you do get married or if you are married, keep your skinny jeans and remember what, what, what it used to be <laughs> and stop blaming like, oh, I had a kid. My hips got bigger. Um, no, probably got a little bit lazier because I know I did. And, and I'm speaking out of uh, you know, 100% honesty here. I, I am not in the gym working out as hard as I used to because I have less time and more responsibilities. And, and you know what? I do make time to work out though. Like you said, every day, I mean, I may go on a bike ride with my little guy. We'll go on a walk. I mean, it may not be to the extent I'm used to, you know, um, pushing myself to different levels and limits, but, but yeah, you know, when I saw this, I actually chuckled because I was like in a study, if you see, if you're not watching the PowerPoint, the, the first bullet in a study of more than 13,000 Americans currently married men, of course, um, spent half as much time exercising per week than those who were single. Wow. So, you know, I mean, that's, I see it. I mean, I see it all the time. Remember when, Interesting set. So now as we move to fun fact sick, this one speaks to me a lot because this is something I know we could do better as, as a nation and as a world with here is prevention of anything, but we're talking about cancer here. Uh, you'll see the little picture here, but staying active, reduce your risk of many cancers, not just one, many, right? So working out helps maintain a healthy weight and regulate your hormones. And the bullet point here, those who exercise regularly are at a lower risk for developing many types of cancer, including colorectal, uterine, and breast. Now, I want to pause there for a second. So as I was saying with uh, what I was doing over in Italy, besides eating a lot of amazing healthy foods, of course, olive oil, et cetera, no breads, <laughs> but um, it's different over there. So it doesn't count. But with that, going back to the cardiovascular, the five to 10 minutes per day, right? Decreases all causes of mortality. Now I'm not by any means ever going to mention anything with the word cancer after it. I'm only going by statistics. The number one leading cause of death in North America by far for women by far is heart disease. I'm not saying we shouldn't have as much focus on some of the cancers. I'm saying we should have that or more focus, maybe equally on cardiovascular disease. But let's read that bullet point again. If we are in great shape, right, staying active, you now have reduced your chance of these cancers anyways. So it's, it's a wonderful thing that if we get people in better cardiovascular levels of fitness and strength training, et cetera, you're going to have that overall arching protection. So let's focus on getting people more active, understanding the benefits cardiovascularly, which reduces the number one cause of death and all of the other ones behind it, right? No one has ever said a new research came out and said, guess what? You're going to be healthier as you age if you stop exercising. Right. It's the best I mean vaccine ever created. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because I mean, I, my family is unfortunately, we are very cancer prone and you name it, we probably had it or dealt with it or lost people from it. And so, you know, obviously there is, you know, hereditary um, aspects to that, but to your point, Marty, the more active you are, the more you're able to make better choices. When you think about living a healthy lifestyle, what does that mean to you? It's all going to obviously correlate with better chances of something maybe not being there. Plus, you know, also being healthy and going and getting your physicals and your checkups and your mammograms and all the things that we love to do every single year. It's also going to help us to just ensure that we're giving ourselves the best chances. So, 
you know, when I see this, like I said, it hits home very much so. And that's one of the reasons I try to keep my family as active as possible, because as I've spoken with my dad, it, you know, it takes no time to start, you know, struggling to walk and losing your balance and everything when you stop caring for yourself, being active and helping others and then neglecting yourself, because now it's hard to gain that back, especially after the age of 80. Yep. And then there's all the depression and other things from the mental side of things. So it's all good. So number seven here, regular exercise improves mental health. Almost like I knew what the next slide was going to be. <laughs> so, who put this together? But studies conducted at Harvard School of Public Health showed 15-minute run each day reduces risk of depression by 26%. So here we go again. Now, once again, I'm saying this for the point of the value of exercise. Not, I'm not a, a physician. I'm not telling you what medicines to take, anything like that. But I've heard this said, and it makes a lot of sense to me not exercising is like taking a depressant, right? Mm -hmm. We know the brain and the body craves physical movement. So the research shows that those who don't exercise, then let alone, we're not even talking about the Americanized diet of artificial this, sugars that, processed foods, right? So we have to keep people moving. So here, 15 minutes uh, reduced depression by 26%. Can also help reduce anxiety and stress. I'm a big, Wendy, you know me, I get anxious very quickly. If I'm sitting for long periods of times, I need to stand up. I need to sit down. Like, trust me, as soon as this podcast is over, Wendy knows the first thing I'm going to do is elevate my desk and stand up, right? Movement is great if you have any of these type of issues. So again, you're not going to find that there's a problem with exercise, especially if you're doing it right the way we would do here with NASM. And they can even, that can even have a positive impact on PTSD and ADHD for sure. So the brain craves movement. A lot of great chemistry happens when you're moving. So let's keep that process rolling and you'll see huge benefits. Indeed you will. I, I can't even comment on any more than that. But, but um, if you guys have any questions before we end the podcast, please be sure to put them in the comments. Um, and Marty and I will take your questions. Or if you have feedback that you want to offer us about how amazing we are, that would be great too. Um, but the, the key takeaways about today really is, you know, guys, remember that the NASM OPT model, because of it being researched and evidence-based since, you know, it's got all the scientific rationales for everything that we do. It, it answers so many questions. And so if you're not sure when a client asks you something, it's okay to say, you know what, let me, let me go look that up and I'll get back to you. You don't have to know everything because, you know, even just the textbook or Marty and I's email, we're just, we're, we're very close where you can come to us with questions that you may have that can help you, but just realize that, you know, in the fitness and wellness space, the model can help you, especially when program design components and, and when they translate to specific goals and adaptation. Um, if you are dreading getting up, going to the gym, get a buddy, find a neighbor, find somebody, because I can't think of anyone that I know that's like, well, I think I look amazing. I don't really want to go to the gym or, you know what, I don't like you as a person. That might be something, but but you know what? Having a buddy, it's going to help you uh, with accountability. It makes it more fun. You become more social, but you also want to make sure you're pushing yourself and not just, you know, um, talking too much. So stay within your program. And then remember, always take a, a break from the gym when needed. And when we say take a break from the gym, then it doesn't mean not to do anything because think about active recovery. Think about the recovery tools that we talked about in the beginning of the podcast and then just remember that, you know, the more that you stretch and you really get yourself in better alignment, better movement is going to lead to better, um, better in results and goals long term. No, very well said. And 
the only point that I keep coming back to is the research keeps showing that we need people to do more of it. Yes. Move more. <laughs> yeah. But if you guys have any questions, you can always contact me um, via email at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And my information is coming right here. So Instagram is dr.martymiller72. Email marty.miller nasm.org. So Wendy, thank you again for bringing it like you do every week with the great information. Eric, as always, our wonderful producer, got to give him a shout out, makes all this come together. And then all of you, thank you for joining the Master Instructor Roundtable. And we definitely look forward to seeing you again next week. <music>